BakerBots LLP provides podcasts for educational purposes only. They are not legal advice. This communication may constitute attorney advertising. Welcome to the Environmental Evolutions Podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of environmental law and policy. I'm your host, Megan Burge, coming to you from my home office in San Diego, California, where I've been blessed with a cold, like everyone else with small school-age children right now, so you all are going to have to bear with me for this one. In today's episode, my partner, Aileen Hooks, is going to give us an update on a critical draft guidance on carbon capture, utilization, and storage that was released by the White House Council on Environmental Quality, CEQ, earlier this year. Some of you all may remember Aileen from our episode, Clean Energy Carrots, which discussed the impact of tax credits for CCUS projects. Well, I am thrilled she agreed to come back. Folks interested in deploying CCUS here in the United States have been anxiously waiting for CEQ to issue the final guidance, with the hopes that it will be released before the end of this year. So, I thought, now is the perfect time for a refresher on the draft guidance, and specifically what it does or does not cover. Aileen will take it from here. Thank you for having me back, Megan. To put the physical infrastructure for CCUS in place, the applicable regulatory infrastructure must be known and in place first. That still hasn't happened to a great extent. The CEQ draft guidance we're talking about is aimed at supporting the efficient, orderly, and responsible development of commercial-scale CCUS projects by facilitating federal decision-making for carbon capture activities, geologic sequestration facilities, as well as the carbon pipeline infrastructure needed to transport the captured CO2 to the sequestration sites. There are seven things listeners need to know about the proposed guidance, and I chose seven because I'm using the acronym SUPPORT, which is what this guidance is intended to do for CCS. First, we have S, which is streamlining of processes and collaboration among agencies to promote the efficient, orderly, and responsible development of CCUS projects. And this includes collaboration involving CEQ, monitoring the progress of of the various agencies on the path forward for regulatory infrastructure, and as well as recommendations such as the use of programmatic environmental reviews for projects that require NEPA review Uh, the use of interagency memoranda of understanding to facilitate coordination among the various agencies involved in the process. Next is U, which is use of funding. The CEQ has indicated that it will monitor the use of funding from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act for an increase in agency staff capacity and training as well as grants to states that have or are seeking primacy for the permitting of class six wells. This has been a significant problem in that it's a a large new permitting program and the EPA 
did not have the staff with the requisite training to implement. So, you know, getting that money in the hands of the region so that they can ramp up and have staff and who are properly trained in place is critically important. CEQ also is promoting the use of available DOE, it's Department of Energy, funding to support the development of technological innovations for capture technology and other technologies. The first P is for the pipeline network. You need to be able to get the CO2 to the carbon sequestration facilities. And to do this, CEQ recognizes there needs to be a coordinated effort among the various agencies to support responsible and timely development of the carbon pipeline network needed to transport the CO2. One of the issues right now is there's uncertainty about which agencies have regulatory jurisdiction, which makes it difficult to uh, develop the necessary regulatory infrastructure for carbon pipeline development. The second P is for public engagement in environmental justice. The CEQ draft guidance spends considerable time discussing the need for public engagement in the process at the individual facility level, but it doesn't currently address public education writ large for the American public, which I think is one of the issues that's important to address as well. It also focuses on environmental justice or EJ, which promotes the integration of environmental justice considerations into CCUS project development, as well as the agency review process. And it ultimately hopes to achieve development of EJ best practices for CCUS facilities that can be used in the future. O is for offshore facilities. A lot of the activity has been focused on onshore carbon sequestration projects. However, there is significant potential for sequestration in state as well as federal offshore uh, waters. And for the federal projects to evolve, there needs to be a regulatory framework that simply isn't in place. The guidance calls for the Department of Interior to develop rules to lay the regulatory infrastructure for CCUS projects in offshore federal waters. Next on the support list is R. R is rulemaking, and the guidance recognizes that there will be a need for rulemaking at the federal and state level to fill gaps in the regulatory infrastructure for CCUS and promotes a collaborative and coordinated approach in order to accomplish this. Last on the support acronym is T. T is for transparency. The CEQ guidance promotes actions to build confidence in and increase transparency concerning 
CCUS activities. This includes suggested early engagement by project proponents with stakeholders, as well as a suggestion that EPA review its greenhouse gas reporting requirements for uh, geologic sequestration facilities and CCUS activities uh, to potentially enhance reporting obligations. And with that, I think we have it, S-U-P-P-O-R-T. So the hope is that this guidance will provide support for CCUS. Listeners can be assured that we will circle back with Aileen once CEQ releases the final guidance. Until then, you're welcome to reach out to Aileen with questions on CCUS permitting. Her contact information is in our episode notes, along with a link to the draft report. With that, I'm Megan Birch. Thank you for spending time with me. Thank you for listening to this BakerBots podcast. For more information on BakerBots practices, please visit us at bakerbots.com. For over 180 years, through 13 offices in nine countries, BakerBots has the experience, knowledge, and people to solve our clients' most significant legal issues. This presentation is provided by BakerBots LLP for educational and informational purposes only. It is not legal advice. Under the rules of certain jurisdictions, this communication may constitute attorney advertising.